1: Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, We'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hand sell series of the Skylight Books podcast. I'm your podcast host and producer, Mick Koaleski, joined as always by my co-host,
0: Maddie Gobo, events manager,
2: and we are joined today by Eve. Welcome Eve. back, Eve. Hi. Um,
3: it's good to be back. <laughs> I've been in the store for a week. <laughs> How are your nerves after a week in the store? They're good. They're good. Uh, I have work tomorrow. Everyone, please sanitize yourself when you walk in. <laughs> There's a few people that were like, no, I'm okay. And I'm like, what do you mean you're
2: okay? <laughs> <laughs> we need like uh, to fill like squirt guns with hand sanitizer so that yeah. if people don't take it, you just give it to them anyway. Yeah, uh, maybe that's a good place to start. We reopened for browsing. This week?
0: Yes. Yeah? Yeah. And 10 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, we are now open for masked and socially distanced browsing. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) For only 30 minutes.
0: Yes. (laughs) Try try to keep it to under 30 minutes if you can. I know there's a lot to read, but take it elsewhere.
2: Yeah. In the store, at a time. Yeah. I know, like, part of the, you know... The, the attraction of bookstores is just be able to like, you know, be lazy and kind of like browse at leisure, but mm-hmm. maybe, maybe next year, you know, <laughs> we can do that next year. Uh, happy Juneteenth guys. It's Juneteenth today.
0: Yes.
4: Ooh.
2: Yeah. By the time the readers will, or sorry, the listeners will be downloading this podcast. It will have been yesterday, but we are recording on Juneteenth. Um, what is Juneteenth, for those who don't know, for whatever reason? Yeah, it was the day that the news about the
3: Emancipation Proclamation um, a- arrived at Galveston, Texas. So it was, a, it was apparently a two-year process to get that news out once that law was passed, a- abolishing slavery.
0: The Emancipation Proclamation passed uh, 1863.
3: Mm-hmm. Juneteenth. Is around the time uh, it's celebrating June nineteenth, eighteen sixty-five. So, yeah,
2: so a lot of companies are making those. I saw that this is like a big uh, corporate response now to Black Lives Matter movement. Now that everyone wants to have the optics, mm-hmm. of seeming like they support Black Lives Matter, but without really committing to diversifying its executive board or anything like that
0: yeah i mean it's, it's kind of the same thing that happened to pride right i mean yeah. it's gonna happen again um the co-opting of a radical political movement into a feel-good corporate holiday yeah, yeah.
2: exactly what are you gonna do it's part of this.
0: classic late stage capitalism
2: <laughs> soft shoes off stage um Today, while I was yes.
3: thinking, I was thinking about how if they do turn this into like a national holiday with like paid time off of work, um, non-black people should donate the amount of money that you would get that day for the hours that you would work that day to black people. That's actually a great idea. If it happens at a national level, um, I Which think it, it is.
0: I think
2: right.
3: some states have been passing um, laws, but I'm not sure if it's happening at a national level.
2: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I know that <clears throat> a lot of com- the, the company that I work for full-time, this is just my side gig, everyone, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but they just made June a uh, a paid holiday, so.
3: I, well, just- you gotta redistribute that money. Um, there are, Bailout funds, mutual aid funds. If you go on Twitter, they're all there. Um, so while you're waiting for white fragility to get here, <laughs> <go back laughs> there, um, yeah, you should go ahead and redistribute your money.
0: Yes, um, there's a lot of really good stuff happening today, and I'm hoping uh, going on into the future. Um, right now, today, Libra FM is donating 100% of proceeds from the sales of audiobooks to Black-owned bookstores. Um, so you should definitely buy from them. Uh, you can also, you know, at any time, make your purchase on Libro go towards a Black-owned bookstore. You just select which bookstore you want. Um, and bonus, all those books you want that you can't get right now, you can get as audiobooks. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you can just put them on in your headphones and 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 do your reading that way. Um, and not worry about where your books are. (laughs) uh, I should say, you know, from a business standpoint, um, book distribution right now is a total mess. Uh, And especially because of this surge of interest in um, anti-racist books, the publishing industry just wasn't prepared for it. They didn't print enough copies Mm -hmm. Uh, Of these books and so they've sold out at all of our US warehouses, which means the publishers have to reprint them and all the printers are in China. So Mm -hmm. if you ordered one of these books from us and you have not heard anything for several weeks or you've just heard that it's back ordered. That's what's going on right now. and there's really nothing we can do about it, unfortunately. But there are lots of other ways to get access to this information. Just keep that in mind. Um, you can get ebooks, you can get audiobooks, you can check them out from your local library. Um, libraries have been offering um, a, a lot of extra great content, um, including films and and TV shows and all kinds of good stuff. Um, so you know, if you if you want to do the reading, it's it's accessible even if you can't get the physical book. Um, you just have to be a little bit creative.
3: Yeah, yeah, everyone should should educate themselves, and I feel like it's a really exciting time right now. I feel like a lot of people are getting radicalized. Um, but
0: yeah, yeah, um, I wanted to point mention we have uh, a new initiative. We're on the event side of things. Um, we just switched our virtual events over from Zoom to Crowdcast, um, which is great and really smooth and easy to use. And uh, so I just wanted to put out a call for um, virtual events from local Black and Brown authors, artists, community organizations. Um, I'd really like to hear more from from those communities. Uh, You know, I get a lot of pitches from mainstream publishers and um, I get a lot of pitches from white authors promoting themselves. Uh, But I'd like to hear more from people who don't have the big machine behind them. Um, So if you have an idea for an event or you know someone who does, um, please email me at events at skylightbooks.com. I wanna hear from you. I've got plenty of dates. Um, I've got the platform. You can host up to 100 people on Crowdcast. Doesn't cost you anything. Um, you can use our account, and we'll promote you. Um, so yeah, that's that's a genuine offer. I really want to hear um, from from our community right now and uh, try to use our platform to amplify your voices.
2: Right on. And uh, you're you and Eve will both be coming back later on this episode for an interview. Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, uh, we had the wonderful good fortune of talking to William Johnson, the Deputy Director of Lambda Literary. Um, I'm obsessed with Lambda. They do so much good work um, promoting queer authors and uh, mentoring young queer writers. Um, they they have a million really cool programs that William will tell you about in the interview. Um, I just wanted to say like I kind of became aware of Lambda Just generally over the years, but I I got to sell books at the Lambda Lit Fest last year, um, which is a day long kind of celebration and and series of readings. And it was incredible. Like, it was honestly one of the most amazing events I've been to. Um, It was in this old church, uh, and you could see, you know, there was like these huge stained glass windows, and there was light Mm -hmm. streaming through them onto the speakers, and the speakers were just amazing. I mean, Tegan and Sarah were there. Um, I discovered some writers I'd never heard of, like Leah Lakshmi Peepsness Amarasina, um, who writes a lot about disability and care work. Um, and it just was like such an incredibly warm, welcoming space to be in, and, and that's really thanks to all the good work that Lambda's done over the years. So um, yeah, I just wanted to, to shout them out, and um, we're, yeah, we're really excited that uh, William wanted to talk to us.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll also go ahead and um, plug how to financially support Lambda uh, on Twitter and social media in general.
0: Yes, um, you can find them at Lambda Literary um, on Instagram and Twitter they definitely need your support and donations. Um, so please help them out and help them keep doing their work because we really need them. So awesome.
2: have you guys been reading it all this week? No, it's been another long week. <laughs> Eve, you've been doing anything? I
3: haven't been reading. I've been rearranging my space. Um, it's also, I think the second day that Mercury is in retrograde in cancer um and chaos continues to ensue so <laughs> I can't read. But I did just order um LA Warman's horror Foods, which won a lambda. Um Is that poetry? So it's poetry, it's erotica, um, and it talks about uh yeah it just critiques capitalism. And it's like erotica that takes place in Whole Foods.
2: That's uh, amazing. <laughs> I <just needed> it. <laughs> that sounds. Maddie, cool. what about you?
0: Um, I am reading an advanced copy of uh, Raven Leilani's debut novel *Luster*, uh, which is so good so far. It's like just um, snarky and sharp and. Uh, just a, a great kind of publishing satire in addition to being a very steamy love triangle um, between this young black woman and a, a much older married uh, editor and his wife. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I think it's gonna be everywhere when it comes out in August, so um, keep your eyes out for that one. Luster.
3: Can I borrow it when you're done?
0: Yes, you can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are you reading anything? Maybe. yeah um so i've been reading um beloved beloved um right. by tony morrison's the classic and uh i haven't it, it i didn't know much about it when i picked it up i just like knew its reputation uh-huh. i didn't realize it was like a ghost story amazing it's so good it's so spooky
0: yeah yeah
2: i was so pleasantly surprised and like i like she can do whatever she wants whatever genre she wants and i'd read it but it was just such a pleasant surprise and yeah been really enjoying that so far all right well let's uh get to the episode i know we're all a little brain dead right now so (laughs) let's get out of here we'll go get some rest eve you gotta rest up before work tomorrow and uh (laughs) thank you guys for uh for coming back see you next week
0: see you next week Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Handsell uh, Skylight Books' bookseller podcast. We are excited today to be talking to William Johnson. He's the deputy director of Lambda Literary, um, and he's going to tell us about all the really cool stuff that Lambda has been doing um, in the past couple of months. We're going to celebrate some of the this year's Lambda Award winners, and we're going to have kind of more of a wide-ranging conversation on um, queer literature in this moment. Um, joining us today is Eve. Uh, you may remember from other episodes of The Handsell. <laughs> Hi, Eve. <laughs> Hi, um, And I'm Maddie Gobo, events manager, I'm constantly talking into your ears. Thank you for listening. Um, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. William Johnson is a Brooklyn-based essayist, cultural critic, and editor. His writing has appeared in numerous art catalogs and periodicals, Boy Book, A Pictorial Study of Urban Male Nudes in a Contemporary Urban Setting, A Question of Beauty, works by Annika Wilson, and I Knew It Was Your Arm, works by Doug Group. He is a contributing arts and culture writer for Crush Fantazine. He is also the editor and publisher of Mary Literary, a literary journal dedicated to showcasing queer and gay writings of artistic merit. William, welcome to the podcast.
4: Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. Um, I'm so excited because I just love the work that Lambda does. And um, I just, I want all of our listeners to hear about it and, uh, and know what you guys are up to. Um, so th- Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, let's get started by uh, kind of giving our, our listeners an overview of what Lambda Literary is, um, who you guys are, what do you do, and why should we be paying attention to what you're doing?
4: Okay. Um, well, Lambda Literary is an organization that's dedicated to promoting GOPT literature. And we do that through several programs. Um, we have a writer's retreat, which is a masterclass for emerging LGBTQ writers. Um, that happens every summer. It usually happens in August. It is not happening this year, um, so we are rescheduling it for next year. Um, and there are cohorts, so there's like a fiction cohort, a poetry cohort, a YA cohort, nonfiction, um, play, playwriting, and about 62 emerging writers um, have a kind of week-long intensive masterclass with some of the best writers, the best LGBTQ writers in our community. So like, for example, like Saeed Jones is teaching nonfiction next year. Sam Ace is teaching poetry. Um, Nicole Jones ben is teaching fiction. It's um, it's a really dynamic program. Wow. Um, we also, wow. Yeah, we also have a Robertson School program that's based in New York. So we bring books into um, the public schools. So we have a partnership with the Department of Education in New York, and we bring in YA books and authors. Um, To talk about their books. And we have a website, which is reviews, interviews, um, and just really is a place where we can center LGBTQ literature and really elevate those voices that often don't get picked up by other um, publications or get reviewed by other publications. And we have our most well known program, which is The Awards, which honors the best in LGBTQ literature in a given year. And those winners were just announced at the beginning
0: of June. Yes. Um, so normally you would have had an award ceremony, but you had to kind of scramble and, and take it online. So how was, how was kind of the process this year for awards?
4: Oh, gosh. You know, it was devastating in the sense that, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of our biggest public programming, you know, and, and, and it's a real kind of just this real moment where we can come together and commune over just a love of writing and and the love of of, of writers so we really had to pivot so we took it online this year Um, and we kind of made it a a a digital celebration in that we had our speeches um taped and posted on the site, and we really tried to showcase the books and some publications picked it up and you know we, we 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 actually did get oddly enough um we got a little bit more press than last year. So, you know, we went through the analytics, so that's good. But it's always nice to have kind of a, a in-person kind of celebration. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was wondering, because I've heard, I've heard writers refer to the Lambda Awards as the gay Oscars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if people uh, dressed for the virtual ceremony like they would. You know, it's, it's, you know, I say it's queer, you know, it's queer flair.
4: You know, it's like, it's, it's some people in, you know, just fantastic kind of rainbow finery and other people more casual, but it is um, a testament to queer creativity, the outfits, I will say.
0: Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Do you want to talk about any of the the award-winning books this year? Give a little love to any of those? Yeah, I mean, I
4: will. I mean, I've, I've been thinking a lot about you know, I've had a lot of time to think, you know, and and we're all kind of sequestered away. So it lets us kind of sometimes focus and just sit with our thoughts for a second. So I've been thinking about some of the common themes that are running through this year's winners. um, And and also relationship to Pride Month. And so first, I just want to say that, you know, the the awards really kind of just demonstrate kind of the breadth of kind of queer imagination. but one of the things I'm seeing in, in this year's kind of winners is that um, kind of just looking at how these writers are really trying to claim and center their desires and kind of, you know, and, and agency in a, in a world that's like, despite, you know, recent advances, um, you know, there's really kind of these cultural and institutional challenges for us to have agency around our desires and um, our rights. And I think a lot of these books this year kind of represent that um, in different ways. So one of the books that I love this year was you know, We Laughed in Pleasure, It's the Selected Diaries of mm-hmm. Lou Sullivan. And like I said, it goes back to desire. And it's really about Lou's romantic desires, Lou's desire to have some sense of, of agency around their identity. And it was re- it was really from a really personal place because it's it's Lou's journals. Um, Lou Sullivan was a trans man um, who sadly um, died of AIDS at the, be- at the at you know at the beginning of the epidemic. So these diaries are both like a snapshot of just him dating and trying to understand and grapple with his identity. Um, but also really him challenging some kind of social norms around what it means to be a trans man um, in the second half of the 20th century. So that book kind of signifies a lot of the things I'm seeing is that, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make our voices heard and known mm-hmm. and really, 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 really trying to navigate our, our desires in a culture that is in opposition to
3: them. Yeah, especially in a moment where like trans rights are still being withheld at a federal level. Um, I think that's really important to center those narratives.
4: It is and it's not just about, I mean, it, and it's powerful and it shows you, for me, I was reading it and just reading about kind of loose dating struggles. It's like, oh my gosh, how long has this been going on? It's my dating struggles, like now, and you know, so that kind of this like powerful personal, you know, it's, it's not just about virtue, it's about humanity. And that was what's so powerful about um,
0: Lou's book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's like a real actual world creation power to, to queer narratives where um, when a queer person can write about their experience, they're actually building a new sort of facet to the world. Um, and that that feels very powerful to me. I was thinking about Jordy Rosenberg's um, Confessions of the Fox, uh, and and like how how that book kind of makes that very literal. Like right. we're rewriting the diaries of this folk figure, and in doing so, creating an entirely new world that exists within our own. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It,
4: yeah, I mean, and it's it's um, you know, and it, and it's also about pleasure and joy and how um, and protest and how all those things are contained in this list this year, which has kind of been a theme, you know, just a general crime, of pride. Of pride. I mean, we can think about pride as, you know, they say, you know, pride was a riot, but it was a riot that started at a bar. So it was a celebration and a riot and all these things at once. And I think our community kind of captures that, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm going to ask, are you, are either of you fans of disco music at all? Are you, are you disco fans? Well, I think about that a lot because, you know, it's like, you know, disco is the one kind of music where you can dance and cry at the same time. (laughs) And I think that aesthetic kind of represents, (laughs) it's a very queer aesthetic. And I think a lot of books kind of um, this, this year's list kind of show that where it's like, it's, you know, we're, we contain multitudes, you know, queerness. So it's like, yes. Celebration and anger and 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 rage and love and desire and horniness, all of that stuff is very queer. It's very disco. It's very our literature. So when I look at this list, those are some of the things that I see and feel.
0: Yeah, that, that makes me think also of um, Carmen Maria Machado's In the Dream House, which also yeah. is Yes. Um, and she, she kind of makes this, this like queer complexity pretty literal in the form of the book where wow. each chapter is like a different room in this very
1: complicated
0: house. Um, <laughs> and I just love that. I, I, I think, you know, you don't get that with a, a, you know, a straight narrative because it's straightforward, you know, like yeah. everything in the world aligns to push you through. Whereas with queer narratives, you have to find these little kind of like, out-of-the-way hallways and hidden attic rooms to kind of put all of these different experiences in.
4: And like using Carmen's book as an example, that can only be done in literature. There, That kind of complexity and that kind of entering into consciousness and playing around with it. And um, that's literature, that's what literature can, done, can do versus, you know, I love TV and I love the movies and I love but that kind of complex complexity is kind of singular to,
0: to literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to adapt in the dream house. Just, yeah, no,
4: <laughs> you know, that's, that's why it's singular because it, it is
0: a piece unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. How well, have you
3: seen, um, like queer literature as a subgenre of literature evolve over the years?
4: I think what you're seeing happen is that we're really kind of changing the idea of what the master narrative is. And even within queer literature, we're changing the idea of what, of what the master narrative is. Um, because when I was coming out, you know, it was like, okay, there was maybe James Baldwin and a lot of cis, white, gay men and cis, lesbians. Mm -hmm. So the idea of queerness is kind of transforming our ideas of what the master narrative is and can be, or the idea of the master narrative at all, Mm -hmm. I think is kind of powerful about about queerness, kind of this dismantling of our ideas of what a canon is or can be or should be, I think is really queer. And it's happening constantly with Lambda. We always like, we're reevaluating, like, what is, what are we doing in terms of, our ideas around the master narrative.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you see Lambda's role in relation to the publishing industry, um, and and in terms of the queer narrative and 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 kind of broadening that out.
4: Well, you know, it's 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 interesting because you know we like to think of Lambda as like, okay, we work with writers throughout their career so we like the emerging writers right so that's helping kind of cultivate voices who are starting out in the in the writing career we do and readers so that's through our website and through our writers in schools program and also through our awards right, by, by list recently we've been doing more work with 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 publishers and has advocates um, which I think is going to be key in coming going back to kind of rethinking what is um, the master narrative.
0: Mm-hmm. We haven't in the
4: past done a lot of work around kind of like you know, cultivating agents and editors. but I think that's the next step in terms of kind of changing some of these power dynamics. I think it's, I think that's the key that we're really just now starting to kind of get into. yeah because we've really be focused on writers and cultivating writers and readers but now you know the next step is looking at the publishing industry
0: yeah and
4: that starts Mm -hmm. with editors i mean it's great you can have a queer book Mm -hmm. but if you can't have find an editor who can edit in the vernacular or then it's you know it's it's, the structure can't support support the artist and we're we we, we might be prone to failure Mm -hmm. and that goes for agents too
0: yeah yeah and you were saying that lambda also does kind of its own sort of reviewing of, of queer books that maybe don't get picked up by the mainstream media, which I see as, as kind of feeding back into the publishing industry as a, mm-hmm. another kind of indirect push towards yes. change. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know, our site also, I mean, people
4: have gotten agents to write it on our site. So that has happened where someone's like, oh, I love what you've written and can I see more pieces? So there is, there is that aspect of it. But you know it's really we have to really start looking at these ideas of gatekeepers and what does that mean, even internally, because I'm a gatekeeper, and I have my own biases and blind spots, so um, understanding that, navigating that, and also challenging other organizations and agencies and publishing organ- or, um, publishing bodies to do the same.
0: Yeah, and I think we're in a really good moment for this push, especially you know with kind of the COVID shutdown, everyone's having to reevaluate. Their practices, and then also with the Black Lives Matter movement happening, everyone's kind of reevaluating their corporate uh, politics, um, and the publishing industry is, I would say, quite overdue for that. Um, so, do you see Lambda as I mean, you, you mentioned you want to go straight into the editors and agents, but how do you see Lambda kind of taking on that role? Um,
4: you know, it's a work in progress. You know, one is, I think one thing is is reach out to the stakeholders who are there, because if they, they exist, there are gay editors and, and gay agents and queer agents and Black agents and cultivating them and working with them to see what we can do. Um, you know, so right now it's like, I don't have the, I wish I had the magical answer. Um, I don't. But the first step is reaching out to things that already exist and seeing how we can replicate them, or things that exist in a sense of equity and see how we can um, replicate those moments of equity, or what we can do to replicate those um, those, those positions and see
0: what happens. Um, can you tell us a bit about just kind of the state of the, the organization right now, how you guys are um, adapting to Everything moving online, well, I mean, uh, if I was going to you know honest, honestly, the you know the pandemic had a devastating
4: impact on us because it it stopped all of our programming. Mm. So the first time in the history of our organization, we had to cancel the Lammies, which is a significant fundraiser for us. Um, we had to suspend our writers in schools program um because the New York school system was was you know it was in is in flux in terms of going virtual. Um, and then we had to postpone our writers retreat so we lost a lot of revenue to keep our programming going we did do a very successful crowdfunding so that was it was like our community really stepped up they don't want to see lambda disappear so we did um, so now we need we now we're pivoting virtually and doing fundraisers um which so far have been a success but um, you yeah, know we still need we still need to um, continue to raise money to keep our um, organization
0: going. Do you have any upcoming uh, fundraisers or virtual events our listeners know
4: about? Funny you should ask that because (laughs) the answer is yes, 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 yes. We we are doing, all this month, we are doing a series of pride readings um they are sliding scale so you can pay what you want and they are happening there's at least two to three readings a week this month you can go to landtheliterary.org. um i know our final event the, the grand finale is um with uh jane wagner lily tomlin and hilton owens wow oh my gosh so i'll be there <laughs> I before that we have great, we have great um, re- readers. Um, um, Cyrus Dunham is, is next week. We have Nicole Byer, um, we have Christine Arnett. So there's, it's a great lineup. Um, but yeah, so that's why you can support. You can sign up for the, the readings and donate if, if you are, if you are, if you are able.
0: Yes, donate, everyone listening. Yes, you can just go to org. It's on the front page of the site. <laughs> You'll see it. It's there
4: waiting for you. Just come in and join the virtual well, readings and discussion.
3: Go ahead and tweet about this um, today. And when we post the podcast. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Well, William, is there are there any other things you want to talk about? Like anything else you want to kind of let our listeners know is, is going on? Or... Um, any other topics you want to discuss with me and Eve? Um, no,
4: just I want everyone to, you know, to late queer literature be both kind of like a bomb and like a, um, you know, kind of provide some solace and also impetus to enact change. So, you know, later on literature do that. I know this time is we're dealing with, you know, everything from white supremacy to a, a, a deadly disease. Um, but... I do think that, that, that literature can be, if not the primary guide, one guide to figure out how we navigate this. So,
0: yeah, that's, that's all. William, are you reading anything good right now? What am I reading? <laughs> Listen, I just
4: finished a book, hold on. I just finished a book, an old, uh, older book by Paul Russell called Immaculate Blue. Um, and I think Paul is uh, uh, a a gay writer who doesn't get enough shine. It's a sequel to another book he wrote in the in the early '90s called The Salt Point, Point. and it's um, the Salt Point was basically about um, hipsters in Poughkeepsie like in the in the in the '90s, and The Immaculate Blue is like about aging hipsters, um, <laughs> gay hipsters now. So it kind of it kind of speaks to me because I was like, oh, that's what I was in in the 90s and now I'm an aging kind of (laughs) it really really resonated and it was a really powerful book around around kind of navigating desire privilege um yeah it's just it's 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 a it's a great book so I recommend both Paul's first book The Salt Point and the sequel was written about 10 years later um, immaculate Blue.
0: Excellent. All right, William, well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking with you and uh, we hope that um, Lambda can keep doing all of its great work. Listeners, that's up to you. Donate, support. <laughs>
4: donate, please, <laughs> listeners, please, donate, support. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Skylight. Thank you for- You're very for, welcome. For hosting me. Of course.